Hello, hello everyone and welcome to Webflow, the show where we talk to successful webflowers about their three biggest failures of their creative career so far and what they have learned from them and how these failures have changed their processes, practice and in some cases even their personality. I am your host Jack Redley and for today's episode I am joined by the mighty Jenna Manth, founder of the studio Holy Moly Creative and she designs and develops Webflow websites that make you say holy moly I absolutely love that line. Jenna, <laughs> welcome to Webflow. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> it's to have you here. So, Jenna, let's get into a little bit about you. You were a front-end developer, then you went into marketing, and then you've kind of come back around to um, websites by founding your studio. So, Tell us a little bit about you and and your kind of journey into Webflow. Cool. Yeah. So I always kind of chuckle at myself that my first job was a front-end developer. I think it's hard to say that that was it because it was three months. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was a great starting point for me out of university, um, but it just it wasn't the right kind of company fit for me and. Um, decided to leave there after three months and ended up cracking a really good job as a graphic designer at um, one of Africa's top travel agencies called Travel Start. So I was there for two years and worked as a graphic designer for a year. And then I evolved into a marketing coordinator role where I was kind of um, managing the brand team and speaking to all different departments in the company, um, mostly working on like bigger campaigns. And um, after two years there, then I decided I needed another adventure and I left and went to another travel company and took on a marketing manager role. It was a, a startup, so we were a really small team of five. And when I say I was a marketing manager, I was everything under marketing. Um, so I was doing design, I was doing development, I was doing copywriting, SEO, a little bit of everything, which can be overwhelming for a lot of people. But naturally, it was also great to get a taste of everything. And I think I'm quite lucky that I can adapt to doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But again, after about, I think it was a year or so, I just wasn't really feeling it. And one of the core things that was really important at this company was wine. Um, so a lot of the experiences that they arranged was all centered around wine. And I just thought to myself, how can I go on a sabbatical and they'll take me back once I'm done with whatever I, I want to go do, but I really want to break. And I ended up going to Napa Valley and working at a wine estate for six months making wine and just living the dream and <laughs> yeah really cool experience thought I wanted to be a, a winemaker after that but life had had other journeys for me and um, came back to South Africa went back to my job and two months later COVID hit and obviously working in the travel industry that didn't turn out very well and I th it was about October. I was working two days a week and I kind of just thought this is not happening for me. Like I don't really want to ride this wave as much as I love the travel industry. It was just, it was feeling like a lot. And I can't exactly remember where I heard about Webflow, but I think it was some friends of mine that also have a little agency 
and I think they just mentioned to me that they they are building on Webflow and at the time I was helping a client with a site on WordPress and just really hating myself for it not enjoying it um I've never been a fan of WordPress and decided to look into Webflow in December of 2020 then that's when it just all started happening I just decided to to do the shift to leave WordPress behind I was going to become a Webflow girl and did my own website on it and the rest is pretty much history now wow okay that's a really amazing overview and (laughs) and what was it about wordpress that was just like i'm not a fan i want to switch i guess like i have i have basic knowledge of of html and css and it can get me so far but i was using elementor and it just it felt restrictive to me. Maybe I didn't know it well enough, but the amount that I did know, I just didn't feel like it was um, allowing me to do the kind of designs that I wanted to do. And then a big thing for me was when I was handing it off to the client that I was working with at the time, it just, it felt really difficult to try and explain to her how to update things, how to navigate to do like different areas of the site. I mean, I struggled myself with that. So I was just putting myself in her shoes, someone that knows nothing about coding, nothing about design, and now trying to figure her way through this website. Like it, it actually made me feel quite bad because one of my number one priorities when working with a client is that I want to empower them. I want to empower them to be able to have certain control over their website when I hand it over and not have to feel like they always need to message me for an answer or to update a basic piece of text or change an image or whatever and it kind of that's how I was feeling when I was on WordPress yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense I think a lot of people who are now on Webflow have basically come from WordPress it seems um yeah for a lot of the reasons that you you mentioned and I think the handover process of Webflow is just so much simpler than uh yeah WordPress in my opinion so yeah, yeah, really resonating with everything that you're saying. Um, one thing that I think Webflow is is kind of an interesting place to be right now is that a lot of people who you know have been using WordPress, maybe have been uh, custom coding a lot of things, they are able to make the most insane websites on Webflow. And as someone that's starting out in Webflow, it can be a little bit intimidating. Um, So now I'm going to segue seamlessly into your first failure, which is comparison. Can you talk to me a little bit about comparing yourself to other people and how you have got over that? Yeah, I think this was um, something I really struggled with in the beginning. And of course, it's still something I, I don't know if I would use the word struggle now, but it's something I still encounter on a somewhat regular basis. But obviously coming into things with my background and never having seen Webflow before and being like completely a complete newbie, mm. um, it was so easy to fall into that trap of, you know, going onto social media, um, particularly Twitter when I eventually found it and saw that there was such a strong Webflow community on there. Yeah, it was just a, a, a trap I fell into quite often, you know, seeing people posting the websites that they've created or how much they're making on a month by month 
and I'm like kind of looking at what I'm charging or looking at the websites I'm producing and thinking, jeepers, I've got like such a long way to go. But then with that, completely forgetting how much time I've spent in it versus how much time these designers and developers have spent in Webflow. And to this day, like I still I still forget that. And I find it difficult to kind of pull myself out of that and realize, you know, oh, someone's maybe been doing this for five years and I've only been doing it for shy of two years now. But I still kind of, I suppose it's a maybe a confidence thing and and also not really realizing I still have room for growth. But it's just, because, yeah, it's quite easy to to play that comparison game and think, why am I not good enough yet? Yeah, and I definitely think, you, you mentioned at the start of explaining that about people posting money. And I think sometimes we attribute financial success to life success. You know, the more money you make, because it's such an easy metric to measure success by or, you know, how good you are at something by. It's, it's a really difficult thing to get over because you're looking at your own, you know, your own, uh, you know, how much you're charging and you're like, oh, well, they must be providing so much more value than me. I would push back on that though and say that I think if you're working with, you know, Yahoo or whatever, naturally <laughs> you're going to be needing to charge that much just to even be in the the ring to get that job. And there's a lot of like pricing psychology and stuff. Do you feel like Twitter has maybe even though you know comparison is quite hard and sometimes you see stuff on twitter and it just makes you feel like a piece of shit that's what i find it also helps you to have confidence because sometimes i look at these websites where you know i know that people are charging because they talk about it the whole time i know that people are charging quite a lot and i'm like oh wow they just have maybe more confidence than me or you know they're they're in the ring that i want to move towards do you feel like as much as twitter can be quite difficult to compare yourself to it is is also quite a positive thing in some respects do you find that a hundred percent i mean especially with the pricing thing um Mm. coming from south africa the exchange rate is huge compared to the dollar i mean uh it's 17 rand to one dollar so going into it I had no idea you know what people were charging I I really was clueless and I obviously tried the whole Google thing like what to Mm. charge for a Webflow website Um, not really coming up with the answers that I wanted but definitely Twitter has 100% more confidence to me and seeing those tweets of course you have days when you maybe you're just having a tough day and a bit of a downer and you see someone's tweet like I just made 50,000 rand or $50,000 in one month. Like to me, or the, I, I suppose in dollars, that's a lot still. But in South African rands, that's huge. Like that's a large amount of money. And the thought of me being able to charge something like that or charge a couple of projects to clock up to that just seemed completely bizarre. But it definitely made me realize, hey, I actually have zero clue what people are willing to charge. And maybe I'm completely underselling myself. I need to step up and just throw it out there and, and um, be a little bit more ballsy with what I charge clients. And and I've done that. And it's been super successful. 
so it, it definitely there are those two sides of one sometimes you can compare and it can bring you down but sometimes those those tweets that you do see are a bit of a kick in the butt to like make you step up and and reevaluate things a little bit yeah definitely i found it really helpful to follow people that post things where they're coming from the right place like some people it's just an ego trip like i earn 50,000 a month and then you're just like cool great cheers mate yeah. whereas some people are saying i started here i've now i'm now here here's how i did it with some actionable steps that you can do now that is kind of the same general um post you know i earn 50,000 pounds a month or whatever it is but they're coming from a place where they're trying to help others so i think you know that just depends on what side of twitter you're on and unfollow people that make you feel like shit consistently is what i would also recommend because it has changed my uh yeah mental health tremendously one thing that um that i've done that i think has definitely helped me in this kind of fail was um at the beginning of this year i actually wrote down a few goals for myself and mm. at the time they felt really big and audacious and I was like damn okay these are the things I want to tick off by the end of the year slowly but surely I've obviously been going through those and always keeping them in the back of my mind and days when I have been comparing or just like feeling a bit down or not feeling like terribly motivated I've actually gone back to those goals and either seen like jeepers I'm 10% away from hitting all of these goals and it's not even halfway through the year or damn I've actually hit one of these goals like four times over and realizing and taking stock of like just how far I've come it completely puts things into perspective then I'm like okay I was comparing myself to xyz but now I can compare myself to myself and look at what I was achieving at the beginning of the year versus what I've achieved up until this point it's definitely been something that I think a lot of people forget. You forget to like sit down and really take stock of what you've done and what you've achieved. And if you are able to go back to something that you were hoping you were going to achieve and be able to look at it and go, I've done it. My gosh, it just does like the biggest boost for yourself, which is, yeah, it's definitely something that's that's helped me. Yeah, I love that. This kind of links to a comment that we've just got from Emily. She's, she talks about comparing herself to someone else who makes more money um, than her. Even if she reaches that success level, um, that feeling will never go away until I address where that feeling is coming from. Um, I think this links to what you're saying because you have your own idea of success. And mm -hmm. I think that's the fundamental problem with comparing yourself to someone else. Like someone else has their own idea of what is success they have had their own journey whereas you writing down your goals that is you know isolated to what your level of success is and what your goals are and I think comparing yourself to the six months ago Jenna is far far healthier than comparing yourself to anyone else out there on on Twitter frankly because everyone has yeah. had their own journey to run do you have any advice to someone that's maybe watching that is a little bit lost in their Webflow journey, maybe is comparing themselves to other people. Do you recommend just writing down simple goals for yourself and looking back in six months at those goals like you have done? Yeah. I like For me, those goals were really actionable steps. I mean, there were some basic ones were like, 
um, create five clonables by the end of the year that I could share with the community or um, create and publish three templates on the Webflow Marketplace. There were some like things that were really tangible and I knew were achievable. Now, obviously, looking back, I think, well, I, I, I could have bumped those values up a bit more. Um, but it's obviously acknowledging where you are in your journey and yeah, being able to envision like how far you can come in a year and definitely writing those down and making sure that they're things that are achievable, but then also putting down some really crazy ones. Um, I obviously put down some more like financial related ones. And at the time that I put them down, I thought they were really wild. But now that I look at them, I think, what was I thinking? I was being so safe. So definitely doing some more like cautious ones and then going a bit wild with some other ones. And then that kind of leaves you in a position like at the end of the year, did you really exceed things? And how close were you to getting those crazy ones? That's a really, really interesting point, like making sure that you have goals that stretch you, but also have goals that, you know, you you can do and have like a range of goals um, depending on what you think is achievable. So did you did you say, okay, in six months, I'm going to review these. Have you stuck it up, I don't know, on your on your wall, like above your computer? Or, <laughs> it's sitting you know? in my Notion. I'm a diehard Notion fan. Um, so I've just got a little Notion page that I wrote them down with the, a little check box that you can tick off once they're done. I forget about them for, for a while. And then, of course, when I hit what I know is a milestone, then I'll always go back and either tick it off or like make a note and be like, you hit this three times over. It's not like something I'm actively looking at, but maybe I think more so on the days that I'm struggling when I just don't feel very motivated or feel like I'm a bit overwhelmed or like stressing out that I haven't had an inquiry for a while or whatever, then I I take myself back to it and I can at least put things into perspective that, hey, you're really not doing too bad. I have the same thing, actually. I would really, really recommend having something on Notion or some some kind of home base where if you're having a bad day, you can just look at how far you've come because, yeah, often we don't take stock nearly as much as we should. And I feel like you really can do that using Webflow where in a year if you started from zero and just learned webflow for a year just the amount of growth you can have is insane yeah it also kind of like helps you to keep in line you know and like if you haven't achieved something like you're clearly missing out on some steps like what are you not doing to not achieve that and then at least being able to look at that and try to break it down further on how you can actually achieve that, whether it's that example of like doing five clonables a year, um, making sure that you then are saying to yourself, okay, you know what, every Friday I'm going to take two hours dedicated towards that and then making sure that you've got those actionables in place to actually achieve those goals. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. It's nice to not just look at how far you've come, but also where you can improve and and whether those goals you know are are actually helping you or or not speaking of money i'd like to get into (laughs) earlier number two knowing the difference between being smart versus being stingy i personally really want to know what you have to say about this because i've been struggling with this as well talk to us jenna give us your wisdom i'm pretty good with my money just in general i think i have my parents to thank for that um But ever since going out on my own and 
being in control and not being in control of the money that's coming in and out of what I'm doing um, has made me maybe a little bit more stingy than I generally would have been in, um, been in the past. There have been a couple of like really basic things that I've been stingy and laugh at myself now for even have been like that. I mean, a basic, basic example is an office chair. Like it took me now it's about two years of not investing in a good office chair and just thinking I could get by with like a really crappy one. And ultimately, I'm fooling myself because here I am with struggling with some back problems now. And that ultimately then leads to going to a physio and paying more money. So it's really, it can be the most basic things and obviously like bigger purchases or investments um, in yourself and in your company. But it's really being able to distinguish between being smart and investing in yourself or just being a bit silly, you know, like thinking that you don't want to, you can save those little pennies on the side and um, you're better off without it. But really understanding, you know, if you don't spend that money, are you preventing yourself from potentially growing in your in your business, in your career, or are you potentially harming yourself in some way, like your health or whatever, like figuring out those lines and, and trying not to get let them get too blurred? Yeah, I think I've had a slightly different thought about this from the point of view of mentorship. People always talk about getting a mentor, and I paid a lot of money for a mentorship course which I just don't think I was the right uh candidate for this cohort based course and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there that can say hey take my course and we can get you to 5k consistent revenue every month type thing but the problem with that type of a sales pitch is that the people that really, really want that are the people that really, really need the money at that stage. And they are the ones who, you know, are paying thousands of pounds for these cohort-based courses to supercharge your business or whatever it is. Now, I paid for this course. It didn't help me in the way that the sales pitch, you know, presented itself as. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter, just to be clear. But what I'm saying is that I think big promises actually might be one huge cost and a setback that you're paying monthly installments, just like I was, uh, for for a few a few months. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think people pay for what they value. So it's kind of subjective this one, this idea of being stingy or um, or being smart. But but yeah, if there's anyone out there watching now who is thinking about paying a lot of money for mentorship. Don't just be taken in by a sales pitch. That's yeah, do your research. So I think social media is flooded with all of these courses and mentors. Mm. And you want to hit the 10K club and 10K boss babes. And it was all over the show. And I just thought, is, what? Is this what is this what it's all about? Like, is that my goal? And, and it really started to freak me out. But then I started to realize how many of those there were. And to me, it just started to fall really flat like I've actually never and I'm grateful for this but also I know it's worked for some I've never felt the inclination to do any sort of mentorship maybe that it I suppose it is all journey dependent and person dependent 
uh, maybe I've just felt like strong enough to kind of tackle things myself and and not have to try and um, have a mentor to to give me guidance or whatever. And of course, that can be helpful, um, but it is a rather like saturated sort of market. Uh, and who do you trust? But then that is something again that Twitter has been so great at is like you get people asking what Webflow courses should I do? And you get so many recommendations that it can be quite difficult to end up doing one that's not good because there, if you go looking for advice, you will find it. If you feel like you want to grow more and you should always be growing and you should always be learning is to not be afraid to invest in yourself and invest in doing courses that are going to help you grow and help you learn and gain new skills. Like, But it's it's easy to to look at it and see the price of it and and be frightened off. But you need to kind of understand what is that going to um, enable you to do in the future and what are the potential clients that you're going to get out of, of, of gaining those skills. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just understanding exactly what the value you're getting from whatever that investment is. Like, is it an investment or is it a cost? I think this is the kind of crucial way to think about spending money when you're trying to choose what, you know, resources are going to help you develop your business. But if anyone has any, uh, I'm sure there are people that have made some silly investments in their business on in hindsight and, and maybe some really smart ones. So if anyone who's watching has any of those, please do drop them in the comments for us all to have a look at as well. Are there any really smart investments, Jenna, that you've made in your business that apart from the chair, that <laughs> you, you might recommend uh, anyone that's watching now honestly I've started with the most basic things like I have a paid notion and one of the things that again I was being stingy with was signing up to Google workspace like I didn't want to pay six dollars a month for a personal business email so I was doing this like roundabout route of having a gmail and forwarding business email to this Gmail so I could avoid the $6 cost. And then ultimately all of my emails were going into people's spam. So uh, that didn't really work out too well. But really I've had like the very basic fundamentals. I think one of the things that I've recently started looking into, which I'm happy I'm doing now, is working with an accountant. Um, Up until this point, I've been doing everything myself, uh, like doing my invoices in Figma and like making sure they're all pretty and tracking stuff in Notion. Um, and I'm realizing that having accounting software is going to be incredible, like that I can actually track things and I can see how much I've earned over the years so far, how much tax I'm expected to pay um, to just really manage all of that. So I think that's probably quite important. Like if you are growing your business is growing quite quickly or you as a freelancer are growing quite quickly and you're getting more clients and they're paying more money um to really like stay on top of all of that is to to definitely invest in either working with an accountant or becoming familiar with some sort of software um yeah I've just started using sage I don't know if that's like a I think it's an international accounting software but that's the one that I've just started working with and I kind of regret not doing it a, a little bit sooner because now I'm like having to go back a year and put in my invoices and all of my expenses and stuff to catch me up until this point. Yeah, if there's anywhere that is like a really helpful early investment for a freelancer, it's 
accountancy software because trying to work out taxes and stuff and things is oh, an absolute. What has been your top investment, Jack? Awards courses. They are, in my opinion, the best courses to learn Webflow and to level up your Webflow game. Joseph Berry's awards course is epic. If you like Joseph Berry's websites, I mean, you you can kind of just get behind the scenes as to his thought process and then how he actually implements that on a website. I actually got the course and I haven't finished it yet. I think I bought it like four months ago and I've got halfway. This is the problem with buying courses, though. You know, sometimes you buy the course and you're like, I'm going to do that. I'm really excited to do that. And you start and then you never, never finish it. But I would really recommend finishing that one. It's a really, yeah. really good course. Another place that I've invested money is uh, Domestica courses. Their, their courses are, I don't know how they're so cheap, but they are really, really cheap. And they kind of do these flash sales where if you buy three, you can get three for whatever, 20 quid or whatever. But you're learning from the most incredible designers and developers out there so um they have really good branded entity courses there's all sorts of really really good cheap courses out there it definitely means that you have to be disciplined to do them though as we've discussed you know it's not um they're not that expensive for the quality of the education that you get from them but no one's hand-holding you. No one's holding you accountable. It's one of those things that you've, you've kind of got to put in the, the work for those to actually be valuable investments, I guess. But yeah, I feel like those are the best kind of, if you're starting out with Webflow awards courses, I think are, are epic. Um, Webflow University though is, I mean, I think rinse the free stuff and then... Um, Dive yeah. into that kind of... I think what I struggled with with those courses, though, is I follow FinSuite Client first. And the way Joseph does stuff is quite different in terms of, like, the units that he uses and, like, the way he builds things. So I suppose that's always, like, a bit of extra homework is if you're watching the way that he's doing things and you're following a different way of building is to try and marry them together, which is, I think maybe it was why I kind of lost, not lost interest, but I kind of fell off a little bit with that course was because I saw the way he was doing it. And I did love that aspect of like seeing how his mind works because he's bloody incredible. But it was maybe then like me switching off a bit in like terms of not taking that time to see how I could sort of use the way he was doing things with the way I was doing things. I think he is um, Timothy Ricks's wizardry method. Yeah. I think essentially what I really enjoyed about Joseph Barry's course was the animation style and learning about, you know, how he thinks about text moving in from different places and things. Um, but yeah, I agree. You do need to get your head around what different metric, you know, he's he's using. But I, but yeah, if anyone else has got any other bits and bobs to drop in the chat, Brandon says he loves the award courses. They're great. Timothy Ricks is Patreon for the development side of things. That's something that I've been looking into. I definitely want to get involved and support Timothy Ricks. I mean, I would definitely pay him, you know, some money for all the incredible uh, education that he's given us all for free on YouTube. So, yeah, I think that's a really, really good investment too. So we're going to get on to failure number three now. Jenna, talk to us about contracts. Sounds like you've had a difficult time with contracts in relation to collaborating with other designers um talk to us about that 
Yeah, of course, um, going into this, like from, I've never worked at an agency or anything. So I really was so unaware of contracts and like how things work with clients or with like collaborating with other designers. And I've kind of just figured out my way as I've gone along. And obviously I'm still adding to my contract today because I don't know if that ever ends. Like you always have different experiences and, and different learnings that I think you can always kind of adapt your contract. For now, I think I've got a, a reasonably good one, although very simple. But yeah, there was one one sort of instance that's definitely stood out to me and has, uh, and has taught me a lot. And I had quite early on into um, starting with Webflow, I had partnered with a incredible designer and she had actually found me originally um, when I was working on WordPress and we worked really well together. We were pretty chilled, you know, the way that we handled things and in hindsight and after going through what, what I've gone through now was that in the beginning stages, there was never any contract between the two of us. That seemed, I don't know, somewhat normal when I initially went into it. But I realize now that no matter what, no matter who you're working with, there should always be some sort of contract involved and always very clear boundaries of what your role is, what the do's and don'ts are, uh, to what capacity you're working with a client. This is specifically obviously working with, with someone else. And none of that was was addressed. So there was a bit of a like a sticky situation where there was a referral from a previous project we both worked on together. And um, she had then asked me to come in for dev- for development work with this new project. And I'd quoted. And then I actually got a direct inquiry from, from this referral to do everything myself. And naturally, being the early stages of of doing this um I was like super keen and I was like you know I'm I'm in like yeah I want to do the whole thing and a really exciting project and really exciting client and so I went in like excited and ready and I just thought you know I'm going to pop her a message just to let her know like that it's happened they've reached out to me and I'm really keen to to respond and do a proposal myself but I've let them know that that I want to chat to her first and it turned out that she was under the impression that it's work that I shouldn't take on because it was a referral based off of a project that she had brought me into, which to me at the time, like, I didn't understand because none of that had been addressed before. So it kind of just turned into a bit of a an awkward situation. Um, I mean, I'm still on great terms with her and she's incredible, but it was a a short sight on on both of our ends that we hadn't actually discussed any of that in the beginning of of working together yeah and it's it's almost made harder when you really get on with that person like you're very friendly with them because you're kind of like oh well nothing's going to go wrong because I trust you and you trust me and you don't necessarily have the foresight to think oh anything could go wrong we're going to need a contract um so I mean did you handle that as well as you feel like you could or do you think in hindsight you would have like I don't know spoken to her and written something up together or how would you have approached it differently now um if I had to go back to when we first met um now knowing what I know it would definitely be really understanding those boundaries of what capacity I'm being brought into the project on 
like am I a white label developer or am I now part of her agency or team or am I still me Jenna from Holy Moly like what at what level because obviously it becomes tricky if I am Jenna from Holy Moly and I'm communicating with the client and you're communicating with the client then naturally that like they have my contact details so once that project's over and they've got a friend that reaches out to them and they go, oh, I know this developer, Jenna, from Holy Moly, and they reach out to me directly. Of course, that can happen. So it's really understanding then, okay, if I'm being brought in on this project, I'm not communicating as Jenna from Holy Moly. I'm communicating as Jenna from XYZ. Um, But it's really understanding those boundaries and having those discussions beforehand. Otherwise, you are going to end up in a tricky situation and feel like you're you're getting the short end of the stick rather than getting what you feel you deserve potentially. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like quite a unique scenario to have been in, though, like especially that early on in your in your Webflow journey. I mean, it sounds like you're very on it with contracts off the back of this so I guess in hindsight it was kind of the best thing that could have happened if it was going to happen at any point in your in your freelancing journey I guess it's good that it happened then um I actually had a very similar scenario where um well kind of similar scenario I didn't have a contract in place with an agency um and they were like yeah we're going to pay you we're going to pay you we're going to pay you and um a month goes by don't hear anything Another month goes by <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to pay my, pay my rent. And I actually was owed $8,000. So this is like a hefty sum. Luckily, um, a friend of mine knew like a law group that dealt with freelancers like me and I managed to get the money. But if anyone is watching and is like, oh yeah, contracts, like who cares? Care about contracts because they can be the difference between an easy life and a difficult life like months down the line as well like just having one in place from the get-go just means that life is so much easier Um, I guess you always go into or at least um, I like to think a lot of people go into these things like thinking assuming that everyone has good integrity and is honest and is going to um, stick to to their part of the agreement, whether it's verbal or contractual, you know. But the reality is, is no matter how great a person seems, ultimately you don't know them, especially clients. Like, they're not your mate of 10 years. You haven't been hanging out with them for ages. Like, you don't really know them. So although they might come across incredible over a call, it's not to say that they're not going to pay you for two months. And you have to really put your mind into a business mindset and, and, and document those things. Otherwise, you are going to, you're just shooting yourself in the foot at the end of the day. Unfortunately, you kind of have to think the worst of someone before you can think the best of them. Yeah, definitely. And I would also second that, that if there's any, anyone watching that's freelancing, not just with clients, but with agencies, and agencies are like, oh, yeah, yeah, just like start the job and, you know, we'll get it. We'll get it to you. We'll get the contract to you. No contract, no work. Like even if yeah. they're an agency, even if, you know, they seem legit and stuff because it can completely backfire because I've been like, I'll start and I'll get the contract and we'll get paid. And then, yeah. And it and it's, it's, hard, but it's hard. It's like it's hard to to stay true to that and stick to it because you are you get excited about the project and you're like, hey, I want to get stuck into this as soon as possible. Like, because also you're thinking, 
I don't want to wait two weeks. Otherwise, maybe I'm going to get a backlog of work. And you want to hit the ground running and you want to go. So it's so hard to put the brakes on and be like, no, I've got to wait for that contract. And it really takes a lot, I think, a lot of practice and like discipline to to instill that in yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think at the other end of the scale, once you've finished a project and you're yet to transfer it to the client and you're waiting on the final pl- payment with clients, um, you know, having the the resolution to be like, look, pay me and I will transfer you the project. Like, I'm not going to, you know, change my process just because you say that you need the website quickly type thing speaking of do you do milestones jenna and do you advise that or do you have a different system and is that working better for you so i do a 50 percent before a project starts and then once the project's complete then i'll do the 50 percent right at the end once we do like the full handover and um training call and whatever but one thing i will say that i do is i with all my projects have transferred them before being paid my final amounts, which I know could be problematic, but touch wood, it hasn't up until now. But I suppose in my mind, I'm like, okay, they've paid me the 50%. I kind of expect them to pay the 50% at the end. But now that I'm saying that out loud, like obviously there might be a case when that doesn't happen. Okay. That's interesting. Um, (laughs) Well, the only reason why I say that is just because I've had a scenario again where I've transferred the project and then I've been like, okay, let's, uh, can you pay me please? And you're trying to be nice and respectful and stuff when actually, you know, it's tough because you you type an email and you're like, I can't send this. I'm going to go to bed, read it the next day. And it's like, whoa, okay. What was I thinking? <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to get my money if I send this. Um, so it's a really, it's a difficult line. And what I found is, you know, if, if people have naturally spent a lot of money to get to this stage, you've finished the project and they should be paying the final final bill before transferring is what I, mm-hmm. I do. But it's interesting that you, that you have a different system. But there's been so many things that you've said that have made me think, oh, I need to revisit my goals for this year and take stock of how far I've come um i think if anyone's listening hasn't got a notion doc or some kind of home-based doc that is the one big takeaway that i think is gold dust from this interview um is there anything else um, um Gemma, that you think if you're if you're just starting out and you want to learn from from maybe some of the mistakes you've talked about during this podcast is there anything that you're like please just go away and do this. I think one of the biggest things from my end was, you know, share your work. I I honestly think that's number one is whatever you create is to share it, whether it's on your Instagram, on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your LinkedIn, share it with the world for people to see, because if you're not doing that, people aren't going to find you. Like you need to have a voice. You need to share what you're doing and what you're creating and, Sometimes it takes longer for some people to be discovered and for things to take off, or sometimes you get really lucky. But ultimately, like we started this off, you know, everyone's journey is different. And don't forget that your time will come as long as you are persistent and you're dedicated to what you are doing and what you love and to just continue being passionate. Yeah, I'd second that as well. Like building in public, even if your project's not even finished 
you know, I think showing your work, show your work sounds something that your teacher would say before an exam, right? <laughs> actually, that kind of applies to real life now, certainly for me, that, you know, if something's in motion, it's well worth sharing even that before showing the finished um, mm-hmm. thing. Because a lot of the time, you know, people are likely to help. I heard this really good metaphor about this, where it's if you're pushing a car up a hill and people see that you're pushing that car up the hill, then it's a hell of a lot more likely that people are going to come and help you push that car if they see you pushing it. Like people want to support if you're trying hard, you know, to reach your goal or develop something or create a website for a client or whatever, they're way more likely to be like, oh, how can I help? Like, you know, can I get involved or, or maybe just say, keep going. And, and that, that really helps. I love that. That's, and I think it's very true, especially in the Webflow community. I, I, I don't think there are many communities that you can come across that are, are so willing to help and listen and give you the advice that you want. I mean, really, you can form such incredible connections, specifically on Twitter. Um, and next thing you're like sending a DM to someone that you've looked up to for a year or so, and they're kind of being a bit of a mentor to you or are just giving you that that push you need when you're maybe like too scared to send off that proposal with a huge audacious like value assigned to it, you know. Yeah, I've seen you actually post that you had, I think you uh, put a tweet out that you were saying, I'm about to send my biggest proposal mm-hmm. ever. And the amount of support you got was amazing. And uh, yeah, if anyone watching is like, oh, like, do I want to share this? Like, will people even care? Just do it, you know, show your work or, you know, share your, share where you're at and, and people are really likely to get involved and help felix has just said i'm setting up my google workspace right now from jenna's advice so jenna you have already given value to felix (laughs) i was doing the little forwarding switcheroo and i think it ended up in their spam folder so hey lessons learned from failure that is the whole goal of this is there anything that you want to add jenna before we wrap up here no, I think we're good. I've loved chatting about everything and and I look forward to watching all of your upcoming episodes. Epic. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. And uh, thanks for everyone supporting live as well. Appreciate you so much. Bye, everyone.